myself at a crossroad and knew the time was right for God's Holy Spirit spoke to my heart that night showed me my lost condition I bowed in full contrition now I'm in a new position since I made up my mind I've made up my mind no matter what others say I will follow Christ and walk in his way though the battle gets hard and the road gets steep that's okay Troubles came running to me, so I had to make a choice. Would I run or take a stand against this evil ploy? But after all God did for me, Jesus' blood that set me free, chose to walk in liberty, and I made up my mind. I've made up my mind, no matter what others say.
Matthew 16 to verse 24. If you've been in meetings like this, you know the first preacher's job is to get up, lay down some uh, stuff, and get out of the way. So I'm going to lay down some stuff and get out of the way. Brother, Brother Hudson said he preached 35 minutes the other night. I, I appreciated that. It was like an hour and a half, but it seemed like 35 minutes, something like that. So my job is to get up and let you let you get a little thought and then get out of the way tonight. So forgive me if I don't belabor the kindnesses that should be expressed because y'all been very gracious to us. Appreciate that. I'm staying in Big Arab's house. And I got the little bunk upstairs for him. It's, there's three bedrooms. I slept in a different bed every night. Just like, just like the uh, uh, Goldilocks and the three bears. I just keep changing the beds and moving around. If that makes me Goldilocks, I'm from California. That doesn't sound good. Anyway. Matthew 16, verse 24, very kind, appreciate the privilege. Verse 24, as you find that and are able and not a Pharisee, would you stand as we look at verse 24? If you cannot stand, that's fine, but if you can, would you please? Read one verse, I'm going to read it to you, and I'm going to ask you to read it with me. If you don't have a King James Bible, just listen, you'll hear the word of God. Verse 24, it said, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Read that with me now. Ready? Here we go. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Heavenly Father, I pray your blessings now tonight. I ask you to be with us this evening. Uh, Holy Spirit, give us something tonight for these few moments that would help us in our Christian life, our walk to love you, serve you, and do as you would have us do. And then, and then to be your blessings on it tonight now, please. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Be seated. Did you see that passage in verse number 24? You should have. You just read it. It said, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me. Now, there's a situation there. Come sit right here, sir. Jesus is talking about a relationship between a master and a slave. If any man will come after me. Then he goes on to say, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That verse 25 is the verse that was used that hot on this night of 1975 when I, this wandering young man got right with God and came back to the fold of God because I had asked this beautiful, blonde-haired, hazel-eyed, good-looking woman to marry me. And I, I got, there's a whole story behind it, I don't have time. But she looked at me, and that night I proposed and said, I said, Patty, will you marry me? And she looked at me and said, I don't know. <laughs> and it wasn't that she said it was bad enough. It was the way she said it. It wasn't like, no, I don't know. I don't know. It was like, I don't know. I said, hey, girl, I mean, you want to marry me? You know, Ward, Junior B, pick a fence, don't smoke. You want to marry me? You understand? She goes, huh? Well, Some people get right with God after a car crash, a train wreck. That was it for me. I just sat there. And after what seemed like two hours of pure silence, she looked at me. She said, are you okay? I said, yeah, you want to you you be friends? Well, what do you do with I don't know? It's not yes, it's not no. Yes, it's obvious. <laughs> you get the package, bro. I mean, come on. No, you're like crazy because you're missing the package. But the I don't know is neither one of them. 
It's like going on a blind date. It turns out to be your sister. I mean, what do you do? You know. Now, if you're from Kentucky, it works out. But I mean, it's a whole other subject. Forgive me, but that works anywhere. But when there are people there from Kentucky, but anyhow, so I. So we just sat there for a while, and I took her home. My brother is our youth director, and my older brother Jack, and he knew I was going to ask her to marry him. So he and his wife went with us, and I took her home, walked to the house, and I said, "Well, Mike, how's it going?" I said, "Man, you know, she turned you down." I said, "No." He goes, "She said yes." I go, "Well, because what's left?" my life, there have been a lot of times I stood there and said, I don't know what in the world's going on. But but she's, and you ladies are wonderful. I'm not making fun of you. Mystery. You're a mystery. You guys, I said they're a mystery. I said they're a mystery. A good mystery, but a mystery. He said, well, what happened? I said, I asked her to marry me. She said, I don't know. My brother looked at me and I, I said, but what I do is your problem, Mike, and he took to verse 25 where the man will lose his life, uh, shall uh, save his life and lose it, and the man will lose his life. And I said, we'll find it. He said, your problem is I wasn't right with God. I was, was going to get the woman and put the package together because I had the package, just needed the woman. But it wasn't God in the middle of it. And he said, you got to get right. And I just said, right. That hot August night, I got right with God. Verse number 24, when Jesus talks here about this master-slave relationship. Jesus is talking about this thing of a, of a master and his slave. Real quick, we're closing. Come on, son, I had my shots. Come on, brother. That's good. See, in those days, it was common. A third of the, a third of the civilized world was, were slaves under Roman civilization. So it was very common to see someone walking around, and as they were walking around in public, there would always be somebody who was coming after them. So this was very common. So wherever you'd go, you'd see a man, and people would look at him and say, oh, yeah, there's a, there's a master and there's a slave. You say, well, Jesus is, listen to me carefully. Jesus is talking about one of those areas of relationship that we have with him. He said, well, I'm nobody's slave. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. That does mean this. You have one. Everybody does. Everybody has one. And if you'll notice what Jesus said about that, no man can serve two masters because he will he'll really like the other one. He probably really won't like the other one. No, he said you will hate one and you will love the other one. You will cling to one. You'll forsake the other one. That, last time I checked, a hate and love was on two opposite ends of the spectrum. So choosing a master is going to be a hate-love relationship. You're going to love that master or you're going to hate the master, one or the other one. So as this guy's walking around in town, he all because see the the the, the slave he, he he could be right here. So if he needed anything, most of the time the master never even spoke to the slave. He had hand signals that he would use. He'd put his hand out, and that slave would know. He put his hand this way. He wanted something here. If he put it down, he wanted this. If he's sitting at a table eating, he didn't tell the slave, "Come over here, give me this." He would look at him and motion with his hand, and whatever he motioned, the slave knew exactly what to do. He was that in tune to what the master wanted. Now I'm going to talk to you about this master-slave relationship. See, people try to tell us today, "Well, you, you Baptists, you know, you're going to church. It's Tuesday night, don't you know? It's Tuesday night. You could be home watching Wheel of Fortune."
fortune, for goodness sake. And here you are tonight. Pat Sajak's retiring. I mean, what in the world? I guess they all retire at 40. Anyway, the point is it upgrade. So what happens is that people say, yeah, you people, you can, they got you in slavery down there. You're going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, get you on a bus route, go sowing in on Saturdays. I mean, good night. Of course, they don't think it's a slave to them. Go out and play the lottery and be, you know, play go bingo and all the rest of that junk, right? Be a slave to a soccer field somewhere. I'm going to say it one more time. Soccer is not a sport. Are, are we clear about that? Little, little, little grass fairies out there running around kicking the ball and stuff like that. They know, that's not even a sport. Worst thing could happen to is get grass stains on their little knee socks from the little short shorts that they're wearing, you know. You have to admit those people are great athletes. You can run around two hours and get excited about one point. You've got to be a really good athlete. But they're enslaved to sports. They're enslaved to television. They're enslaved to all this stuff. Hey, we're going to have a master. So if Jesus is the master, then that means I am willing to be considered his slave. What is the master-slave relationship? Well, first of all, it's a proclamation. You saw these two people walking around in town. Here's what that meant. The master is proclaiming, this is my servant. It's a two-sided proclamation. This is my servant. And the servant is saying, he's my master. Do you realize, my friend, that Jesus claims you as his own. He claims you as his own. But as many as received him to them gave him power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. He claims you. You're his child. And yeah, that's right. You're his servant. He claims you as his own. So it's a proclamation from the master to the servant, to the slave. And it is a proclamation from the slave to the master. He said, yeah, that's my master. I belong to him. He's my Lord. He's the one who gave his life for me. He, the slave was not chained to the master. He wanted to be the slave. Yeah, you say, well, he didn't really have a choice. No, he didn't have a choice by law and everything else. But when he was purchased, he realized he belonged to the master. Have you got that in your mind? You're not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. If we can get that resolved in our minds... Jesus Christ is my Lord and my master. And I claim that. And if it looks wrong to people, that's too bad. Because see, they didn't pay the price for me. Society didn't pay the price for you. The world didn't pay the price for you. The devil did not pay a price for you. But Jesus did. Fled heaven to the crimson womb of Mary. Dipped his soul into walked this earth sinlessly for 33 homesick years. Went to the cross. Dipped his soul into death. Rose again from the third day to purchase you. It's a proclamation. Number two, this master-slave relationship is a position. Let me just say this. All the points start with a P. If I get to heaven and find that sucker, that preacher who started alliterating outlines, I'm going to kick him so hard in the backside, he's going to be wearing it for a hat. I have had sermons before. You preachers who do this, I've had a sermon before, and I got four points, and four. I got three Ds, and I can't find the other fourth D. I got the sermon, I just got to alliterate it, so I got to get the Ds. Can I get a witness from the preacher on the alliteration? And so I changed it to two M's, and I only got two of the four M's, and I can't get that down. 
And then finally, I just give up preach. But the truth of the matter is, all the points have peace. First one's proclamation. You know what the second one is about this master-slave relationship? It was a position. He doesn't ask the slave to follow him. He expects it. It's funny how Baptists will bow their neck up when you start talking about what the Christian life calls for. Hey, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And all of a sudden, they're so free to accept the salvation that he freely offers and gives. But then when he starts talking about living the Christian life, you're going to be a disciple. You're going to have to do this. And, and I love how Jesus didn't give them the recline, care, recline chair Christianity that we're getting nowadays. He laid it out at the start. You're going to follow me, it's going to cost you something. You're going to follow me, you're going to have to discipline yourself. You're going to follow me, you're going to have to do this. I wish we'd get back to that kind of Christian Amen. practice where we told people, well, this is what God expects from you. Amen. No, not not now. Now we got this champagne, uh, sipping, cigarette, sucking, mammy, pammy, pussy, foot, near ticking, back, scratching, dick on dip, and half stepping, sop, sop, That kind of Christianity is so popular because they ask nothing of you and you get nothing out of it. All they want is Starbucks in the foyer. Now, that's it. Hawaiian shirts, gym shorts, and little flip-flops. That's the kind of Christianity they'll, they'll want to show up, get a little massage, a little pat on the popo, and send them off to their champagne and scramble eggs. That's very popular Christianity. But that ain't biblical Christianity. No, that's not it. And here's Jesus. He's making, he's making it understood. If any man will come after me, get in the position I have given you. Well, that's, that's very authoritative and dogmatic. Could I suggest something? When preachers talk like that, they need to go get a hormone check. It's disgusting. Well, no, I don't want to, I don't want to be I don't want to be overriding and overbearing in this concept. What? Can you see John the Baptist? All right, people. Let's talk about this. Oh, but Jesus cleared clearing the temple. All right, folks, work with me. We got these smelly animals in here, and this is not appropriate. All you sheep on the left, all you goats on the right. And if you gentlemen would kindly remove the tables, you're scarring the carpets. Let's go. Work, work with me, people. Work with me on this. I don't want to offend your sensibilities. That's not what Jesus did. He went in there and kicked the tables over Kicked them stinking animals, got cords from the temple, Woo! boom, and popped and cleaned that place out. And then we got preachers up there acting like they're apologizing for preaching the Bible. And telling us, and telling us, well, you preachers are so angry. I, I'm not mad about nothing. I am passionate about what I believe. Pretty soon Ohio State will start playing football. Well, you call it football. Anyway, you Ohio State start playing football. Uh, all these people go over and fill up the shoe. How many people in the shoe? How many? 100,000 in the shoe. Huh? Wearing oil, crimson and silver, or whatever they were. What are the colors? Scarlet and red. <laughs> Scarlet. Hey, people, men only see like three colors. You know, oh, that's peach. No, that's a fruit. I, I don't know what that, we don't know what in the world mauve is. I have no idea what mauve is. They'll fill that thing up 100,000. Ah! Overwork, underpaid <laughs> athletes. See, they're not paid. Yes, they are. They can get a four-year degree for monitoring a, a broom closet. So they go out and throw football in the field, and no one thinks they're crazy. 
No one thinks they're fanatical. And the preacher gets a little stirred up about something, gets the Holy Ghost on him, and starts, starts getting fired up about what he believes. And they go, well, he's angry. Well, what is the matter with people nowadays? No, no, no. The, the master expected the position from the slave. He turned around and said, well, would you mind following me today? I mean, I paid a lot of money for you, and I sure appreciate it if you. I mean, I, maybe we could do lunch. I mean, what do you think? Uh, have your people call my people, and we'll talk about it, okay? No, um, he, he expected this position, and, and he wanted him behind him, right? Look at me, not in front of him. Look at me, the, ma the slave doesn't lead the master, the master leads the slave. How you doing with that one? Is, are, you, are you out in front of him? Are you out in front of the Lord now? You're telling God what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. Now, slaves didn't do that. See, that, he, that was not his job. His job was shut up and do what he was told. Don't, don't get ahead of the master now. Don't get out and try to lead Jesus. Don't do one of those deals where you ever have them do that preacher where they come to you and they tell you what they're going to do. Well, pastor, here's what I'm going to do. They tell you their decisions all laid out, and they go, what do you think? I tell them the same thing most preachers tell them. Bye. Bye. You already got your mind made up. Why'd you even waste my time? Bye. I already got it all figured out. Goodbye. But don't do that. God is not in the business of writing a life contract for you. And then you change the whole cotton picking thing and expect him to sign the contract. He doesn't do that. He tells you what to do. It is a position. Have you forgotten who leads you in your life? Number three, another P, here it comes. This relationship of master and slave is a come after me was a place. The slave had to accept the place given him by the master. Well, that's demeaning. That's, that's demeaning. You're, you're, everywhere you go, you mean you, people are going to know that guy's a slave because he belongs to that master over there. Well, that's that's belittling. You can't have a good self-image with that. Like I said it this morning, I don't care about your feelings. I tell my people that I don't care about your feelings. I'm sick and tired of hearing about everybody's feelings, how you feel about something. You know, you know what the other thing accords me is people who say, "Well, Pastor Johnson." feel good about myself in this thing. Okay, I, I'm trying to see. Now, let me get Bible on that. Maybe it's in the NIV. That's why people read it. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, not, it's not in the KJV. It's not in there. It's not about me. You see, look at me. I don't care if it's demeaning to me that following Jesus makes me look like a slave. And I'll tell you why. Because I've had another master. destroyed my family and, my, and, and was racking me up. See, my, my, as I told you, my dad was a preacher and ran off with one of the women of the church. My mother remarried and married a man who was a drunk and a bartender. And he would come home and beat her and beat us and stuff like that. Man, he, any man lays a hand on a woman, he's not a man. And his boy got out, got out of prison and, and he and his wife started coming to our church. And he was one of them boys, one of them white supremacist boys. He had my Vikings all over his arm and knots and signs and stuff like that. Big old now this kid was as big as me. He was a huge man. And he liked to, he liked to slap the woman. And they just started coming, and she called him one day. She said, Preacher, I'm, I'm sorry to bother you, but uh, Dwayne, he, he's been out of control lately. And, and I said, what's going on? She said, well, he, I mean, she, he, he and I was a team out there together. He was fat and whatever. I said, is he home? She said, yeah. I said, tell him to wait for me. I'll go get him. I walked, he 
Pastor Johnson, you have to understand. No, no, you look at me. That master, Satan was behind that bar. He said, let's get this boy ready to become one of his stepfather real soon. And by the amazing grace of God, I got saved. And you want to know something? I never got behind that bar. And you want to know something? I had that, I had that other master. Now I got a good master. Oh, he is faithful master. And you want to know something? I, I take that place that he has me. So if my if my master decides I'm going to walk to the valley, then I'll walk to the valley. If my master decides I got to climb a mountain, I'm going to climb a mountain. If my master decides I got to go through a battle, I'm going to go through a battle. See, I was already halfway there when the master in gracious mercy came as a nine-year-old boy in American Baptist Church, Antioch, California. I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior, and I got born out of that family into his family, and he's been my master ever since. It's not demeaning. It's the place he wants me to go. I'll take Jesus. The master-slave relationship was not only a place, it was a practice. See, the, the slave had to constantly make sure that his practice was he kept his eye on the master so wherever he would go it was the slave's job to keep an eye on the master so he had to develop that practice 
where he would watch what the Lord would do, the master would do. And he, he didn't, hey, the slave didn't get his own agenda. Well, I can't go with you today. I got stuff I got to do. No, the slave never did that. If the master said, come on, let's go, he went. If the master said, stop, you stop. If the master said, go, you go. If the master said, we're going over here, then you go over there. The slave did not have his own agenda. God delivered me from agendas, agenda writing Baptists. They want God to fill their agenda. They want God to match what they want to do. They want God to come where they are. They want God to meet them on the front. That's not how it works. It's a practice. Don't get your own agenda. Does the master have to find you? Does he? I know, I know parents today who, who text their children to come out of the bedroom to come to dinner. Text their kid, we're having dinner, come to the table. Huh? My house, they didn't have to ask me to come to dinner. I, I listen to the pots and pans. When they stop, it's time to get to the table. And by the way, my mama didn't run a kitchen. She didn't, she didn't run a restaurant. Uh-uh, none of that junk. Well, Billy doesn't like that because it's not organic. You know, it's just not how it worked, do we? They put it on the table. You ate it. Uh, yeah, you ate that stuff. I don't care what that was. And if they, they they filled your plate, you didn't fill your plate. They put it on the plate, gave it to you, and you ate it. You didn't get up and Look at me. That's where I got one of them right there, brother. You understand that? Yeah. What now that junk where you... Just add another point to my message. Hold on a second there, but truth of the matter is, hey, truth of the matter is, and by the way, my mama, she's a Texan. My mama made fried chicken and white gravy and mashed potatoes, cathead biscuits. What? Shouldn't have said that. You think I ever sat there and said, well, is it dark meat or white meat? I mean, who cares? I, I, I ate gizzards. I ate necks. Gizzards is good living. It's two bites, but it's good living. Everybody's fighting over the, you know, the breast or the wing or the, anybody eating gizzards. There's plenty of gizzards on the table. I ate them gizzards. Eat a neck too. You can chew on that neck forever. I mean, it's like you need appetizers. You got a neck. You got a chicken neck. It's good. That's not even the message. All right, let me get back over here. Truth of the matter is, <laughs> it was the practice. The slave was supposed to. He was supposed to make sure that he followed where the master wanted him to follow and do what he wanted to do. Does the master have to find you to seek him out? Huh? Oh, we like sheep. We've gone astray. We turned everyone to our own way. Well, that's the sheep and the shepherd. The master and the slave never had to happen. Because the slave knew where the master was, what the master wanted, and what he was supposed to do. You got that? Huh? It's a practice. It's his will, your will. Could you honestly say that tonight? We had an invitation right now. Said, everybody, let's come to the altar, bow our knees. So if we call an invitation right now, and you came down here and bowed your knee at this altar, could you honestly say to God, Father, as best as I know how, I am in the center of your will for my life? I was in Bible college in Pritchard's, getting up to preach. There's like 1,200 of us in this auditorium. He said something about the will of God. He says, I, I know that I'm in the will of God. And we're all thinking, well, you're a preacher. Of course you are. But that's not the case. How many of you know for a fact you're in the will of God? Now, I was a Bible college student. I think I was a freshman. I put my hand up. I looked around. 
the auditorium. That could have been 5 p.m. for them. Maybe I didn't understand your question. You said, no, put your hands down and pray. No, how many of you know you're, you're in the will of God doing God's will for the right? Raise your hand. Put the hand up. I looked around. Could have been 810 students with the hand up. And then I thought, oh, most people think of the will of God as the future. When I'm done with Bible college, then I'll be. No, I was in Bible college studying to do the work of God. I was yeah. in the will of God. Hey, when you're doing what God put you on this earth to do, you're in the will of God. Some of you, you're in the will of God. You don't even know it. You ought to figure that out. Obedience to God and his word puts you in the will of God. The master-slave relationship, lastly, was this. It was apprentice. Apprentice. See, older servants, by what they did and how they followed the master, older servants, by their practice and by their position, Older servants set a premise for younger servants. Come on. Shorty, let me use you. Spanky, could I use you? Ethan, come here, son. Come on. I ain't got that much time. Here we go. Okay. Stand right beside him, okay? Wherever he goes, you go, okay, Ethan? You ready? Are you good? You sure? You're positive. Here's a hope for America right here. Here's why there's no hope for America. No, just kidding. you guys couldn't keep up with it, all right? So there we go. So watch me. So see, when he would go, what is he doing? Hey, look at me. He's training the next generation of servants. So who's a, who's a better servant today than because of you? Are you one of them, one of them donkeys? Huh? Not a sheep. You're a donkey. You got this little following going on. But this follow thing is really something else. People got their little follow crew that they got with them. Now, they're not bad, you know, they're those kind of people, they're always around, well, I don't understand why we have to do all this, but we love the preacher. Well, if you do, shut up and do it. I mean, what's the problem? No, no, you got to throw that little comment in there. Well, why is it always so cold in our buildings? And why, you know, but I, I know it's hot outside and we're trying to keep, but you know, I wonder what the, what the air conditioning bill is. Those are people who usually don't tie the nickel so they can care less about that kind of stuff. It's fascinating to me. See, this guy is training this guy. He's the premise for this man right here. He's watching how he does, so then when his day comes and this guy is out, this little guy steps in, and what he already knows what to do. He knows how to follow, and he knows who the master is, and he knows what he's supposed to do with his life. So who's a better servant because of you? Who follows better because you follow? Who, who, lead, who gets behind the master because you got behind the master? Who does that? Say, Pastor Johnson, it's just not that simple. It is just that simple. If any man will come after me, get that place that God has for you, get that position, develop the practice, the proclamation should be clear. Jesus is my master. I am his servant. He has purchased me. I'm redeemed. I'm lost in the blood of the lamb. I have salvation and eternal life, and I have nothing if it wasn't for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you see, you understand something. If this man right here doesn't get the proper understanding from this man, we're talking a life and death situation here. Because this master could end his life. If this guy doesn't learn to develop the proper relationship with the master, it cost him his life. See, we think, well, people can figure it out. Well, people should figure it out. But wait a minute. 
we should, Apostle Paul said, be a followers of me even as I also am of Christ. We're supposed to line up with those who line up with Jesus. Now, you always line up with those who line up with Jesus. We're not talking about cultic, just following somebody because you follow them. You, follow, you, you got the Jesus book, right? They follow the Jesus book. Then you follow them. But it's interesting, Paul would ask them to follow him while he followed Jesus. That way, if they get off Jesus, you go let them go. You follow Jesus. You're going to be fine. That's all good. But wait a minute. This could be life and death. Yeah, you know what? It could be life and death. You have to understand something today, ladies and gentlemen. In the world in which we live, it could cost you your life to not follow Jesus Christ. And it could cost you the life you could have had. And you're messing with the next service coming. Let's, let's just get this settled in our minds. I take Jesus. He is my master. I love him. Where he leads, I follow. What he feeds, I swallow. Whatever he wants, I'll do. Let's bow our heads and pray. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father.